So I went and had the scan and then I just went about the rest of my week because I didn't really think anything of it. Friday afternoon, the specialist calls me and she's like, oh, we've got the results of your brain scan back. You've actually got what's called a pituitary adenoma. For anyone listening, a pituitary adenoma is like a small tumor in your brain. It's not cancerous, but it's on your pituitary gland, which is the gland that basically services your whole hormonal and reproductive system from your brain, sends all the signals and everything like that. Hello guys, welcome back to the Real Health Real Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ebony May, and today is an interview episode with Hayley Connor, commonly known by her Instagram handle, The Happiest Healthy Project, where she shares her life and lots of amazing food. Hayley is a certified health and nutrition coach and ebook creator. In this episode, Hayley touches on the beginning of her own health journey, the creation of her Instagram and ebook, what isolation has taught her, and a recount of her personal experience with navigating health issues and finding out she has a non-cancerous brain tumour. I so enjoyed recording this episode and I cannot wait for you to listen to this chat with Hayley. Hayley, welcome to the Real Health Real Talk podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm super excited as well. And we'll get into this a bit later, but I just, there are so many reasons why I'm so excited for you to come onto the podcast. And I think when I was starting the podcast, thinking about the type of woman I would like to interview, you really, really fit that bill. So I'm so pumped. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. (laughs) I don't know if you know, but the first question I ask every guest is what does real health mean to you? Yeah, so real health to me is just happiness and feeling good. And I know it seems super simple and basic, but I don't know, in the past for me, health has been like weight or aesthetics or I don't know, something like that. And I was never truly happy. My energy was low. I avoided socializing. Like all I wanted was to be this certain weight or um, look a certain way. And so now that I've finally got to this point, as long as I'm happy and I feel good, I feel like that's what healthy is to me. Mm, I love that. I can really resonate with once feeling like it was more aesthetical than inner health. So how did you sort of change that? What attributed to you changing your perspective on what real health means? I think I just got to a point where I was like, I can't live my life like this forever. And I want healthy to me to be something that I can continue to do for the rest of my life. I don't want it to be just like a short term challenge or getting to a certain goal. And then once I get get there, what's next? I feel like sustainability is so important when it comes to health. Yeah, definitely. So the next segment is the real recap. So how has your last seven days been? Yeah, it's been good. I feel like my weeks are kind of boring, like it's just the same day on repeat. Um, (laughs) But basically, I just wake up, go to the gym, I work my regular nine to five job, come home, spend time with my husband, sleep, repeat. (laughs) But this past week, I've actually implemented some new habits, which I've been trying to do since the gyms and everything reopened. Uh Um, I set myself some mini goals each week. And so I've been trying to do this for like the past three weeks and every week I just don't quite get there. But this past week I've gotten to 10,000 steps a day. I'm drinking loads more water. I'm listening to a podcast every day. Um, and I wanted to really go running once or twice a week. And this is the first week I've actually nailed all of those things and I feel so good for it. Oh, that's so good. Drinking water. I know it's the most basic thing that every single person says, but I noticed the biggest difference. It makes such a difference. <laughs> 
Oh my God, 100%. I love that. I think how invigorating is it to set goals and then actually complete them? I feel like so many times we have the intention there and we might do 60% of them or 50% of them, but once you actually smash them out of the park 100%, how good does that feel? Yeah, definitely. And when you set like small goals, they're so much easier to reach, but you still get that same satisfaction. In case some listeners are new to following you or don't know who you are just yet, tell us a little bit about yourself and how would you best describe this current stage of your life that you're in? Yeah, cool. So my name's Hayley. Um, I live in Grafton in New South Wales and I am just a very normal girl. (laughs) Um, I work nine to five Monday to Friday as a property manager and that is my full-time job. Um, But I also have my Instagram page, which is the Happiest Healthy Project. And I started that because I wanted to help other girls realize um, that healthy doesn't have to be a one size fits all or a one set of rules for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can find your own happiest version of healthy. I love that so much. That's exactly the premise of my podcast as well. It's shining light on what real health means to people who may be influencing a lot of people or in this space of health and fitness, but encouraging women to find out what real health means to them. Yeah, definitely. And the stage of life I'm in, I'd say at the moment, I'm definitely in a transitional stage. So when I was creating my ebook a couple of months ago, I was definitely in a stage of hustle. And then when all of that was over, I was just really trying to take a step back and chill. Um, Mm -hmm. But now I'm planning what's next for me. So I'm going through a bit of a transition at the moment. That's so exciting. And I think it's so important to have those seasons of that provide polarity. So I think, like you said, you were hustling really hard for the ebook. And I want to touch on that now. So that was so exciting. I saw the launch for that. And it's the Happiest Healthy Projects recipe to help you find your happiest healthy. Tell us a little bit about the ebook and maybe your fave recipe and why you decided to create it. Yeah. So ever since I started my Instagram page, it was like my dream to create a cookbook. But I kind of thought like, who would even want this ebook. Like I'm putting out all these recipes for free anyway. Who on earth wants an ebook that I've created? Um, but then I was having a conversation with a friend and she's like, you provide so much value to people. Why would they not want something that you've created? And it was at the exact time that lockdown and isolation started for um, COVID. So I was like, well, why not use my time and put my energy into something that I'm super passionate about? So I created the ebook during that. I have so many favorite recipes and it's so hard to choose, but everyone loves the birthday cake protein balls and like the the amount of people that remake them and share them. I think it's got to be my favorite. How did you decide that name? Where did that come from? The Happiest Healthy Project? Yeah. Yeah. So basically I was having friends um, from around where I live message me being like, share what you eat, share what you do. And I was like, yeah, fine. I'm happy to share what I'm doing, but I want you to find what makes you happy. Like don't copy exactly what I do. And so I just thought if I can start sharing what I'm doing, but help encourage people to do what's going to make them feel good rather than just copy what someone else is doing, if that makes sense. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Like find your own happiest version of healthy. I love it so much. It sounds so good too. Happiest healthy. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, through your platform, you've mentioned that you do share a lot of recipes, but you also document a lot of your daily life and experiences, which is so relatable and real. How did your own health journey start and why did you decide to create a platform to share this? Like, I know that you said that your friends were asking, but was there any hesitation to sort of making it public? Yeah, there was definitely hesitation. I live in a small town and so fear of judgment is a massive thing because where I live, it's like everyone knows everyone. And I don't know, kind of just that limiting belief that I'd be judged so much. And yeah, 
it really held me back for a long time from starting it. But eventually I was like, you know what, if people are going to judge me for starting this page, it says more about them than it does about me. So I just went for it. Um, But my health journey started, I think it was around six years ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was living with one of my best friends and we kind of were just like um, early 20s, just hanging around like we weren't really had no purpose really like we were just on the couch every weekend watching tv series and eating loads of food we never really moved our body or anything like that and then we had another friend who joined a gym and she lost all of this weight and we're like well why can't we do that like we should do that too and it was really good living together because we'd go and train together we'd make loads of healthy meals together and it was awesome we did sign up for a challenge which I'll never mention the name because it was not the best Um, and it created some really bad habits around eating. Yeah, we were basically like only clean eating, not eating enough at all. And obviously that's something you learn over time and sometimes you have to go through that process to learn it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, we went through that and then I was kind of just in this stuck place because I'd formed a horrible relationship with food. Um, And then I ended up working with a coach online and learning to track macros, which at the time was amazing for me as well. I learned about the nutritional value of food and what I was eating and that I didn't have to only eat clean foods. Um, So I learned loads through that. But then that also created another bad relationship with food for me um, where I wouldn't go out to eat with friends because I didn't know what someone was putting in my food or I wouldn't let my husband cook me dinner because he would add more oil than I would like or I hadn't tracked something that he'd put in there. And it just got to a point where I was like, you know what, I can't live my life like this forever. I just want to eat to feel good. Yeah. Unfortunately, I feel like so many girls can resonate with that. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's just such a cycle, but it's so good when you finally get to that place. And I know it's hard to get to, um, but when you finally get to that place where you're just eating because you want to eat and because you feel good, you don't overthink it. And yeah, you're basically just eating to enjoy it and then living your life. You just get on with it. When you create content, do you have sort of your yourself back then, your old self in mind? Yeah, absolutely. Like The people I want to help are the people who went through exactly what I went through. Yeah, I'm the exact same. When somebody yeah. comes to me and they ask about something or they tell me a little bit, bit about their story, when you can see yourself in their, in their yeah. shoes, you just have so much empathy for them. You just want to help them. Oh, 100%. And I think it's so beautiful because you can really understand exactly how they feel. And obviously different things are different and there's unique situations. But that's why I believe that although this space is so oversaturated on Instagram and social media, we still need people who are different because everyone can relate to different people. Exactly. And everyone has their own story. And even though it might be similar or you can relate, everyone's been through something a little bit different that might just resonate a little bit extra with someone else. Yes, exactly. So this is one of my favorite questions as a nutritionist and a foodie. What is an average day on the plate for you? Oh, yes. I love this. I love talking about food. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my breakfast at the moment is basically always oats because it's so cold. So I want something warm and cozy. So protein oats definitely with like peanut butter and frozen fruit on top. Mm -hmm. Um, And then my mid-morning snack is normally like a piece of fruit and some yogurt Um, And then my lunch, I always like to meal prep on the weekends and have my lunch already made for the week. So I normally eat the same thing for lunch all throughout the week, but it's normally like a big salad or um, something with rice. I love tuna, which is weird. A lot of people hate it, but (laughs) I love tuna tuna. (laughs) Um, And then my afternoon snack is normally like something I've baked or a new recipe I've created 
And then dinner, we normally just have grilled meat and vegetables on the barbecue. Honestly, cooking stuff on the barbecue is so good. You don't have to add any sauce or any flavor because it just adds that really good barbecue taste. Mm -hmm. Love that. So always dinner is something like that. So good. I'm such a food perv. Like it makes me so satisfied. It makes me so happy. (laughs) (laughs) So Hayley, I'm really excited. Well, maybe not excited, but this is, I think, such an intriguing story and something that I didn't actually realize when I started following you. Those following along will know that May last year, you found out that you had a non-cancerous tumor. And I'd love for you to open up about this experience and how you've been able to cope through the ups and downs of finally getting a date for surgery and then having it delayed. And I guess your initial feeling of when this got diagnosed. Okay, I'll start from the beginning. It's kind of long, but (laughs) here we go. (laughs) Um, So basically it started in 2017, July in 2017. So like exactly three years ago now. Um, But I stopped taking the pill because I just thought it wasn't doing anything good for my body. And I just wanted to stop taking it. That's a whole nother story on its own. But anyway, I stopped taking the pill. And I had my period from the end of that cycle of the pill and then I never had another one. And so loads of people have stories. Like I did loads of research online. I listened to other people talk about it on social media. They stopped taking the pill and their period never comes back. So I was like, okay, it's kind of normal. Um, But I was doing everything I could from what I was reading online to try and get it to come back. And then in March of 2018, my partner and I got engaged and I was like, okay, well, I still don't have my period. And once we get married, like a family is the next step for us. And if I'm not having my period, how am I going to have a baby? So I went to see a doctor, they did loads of blood tests, all my hormone levels and everything were completely normal. And so they were like, look, you're probably over exercising and under eating, like you look really fit and healthy. Um, Maybe you should try eating more and cutting back on the exercise. And like, for me, that's the last thing I want to hear. But the food part was fine. Love eating more food. (laughs) Um, So I started doing that. I cut back a little bit on exercise. But again, exercise is like, my, for my mental health, I have to exercise every day. So I tried my best to cut back on ex- exercise and I was eating loads more, but um, it just like nothing happened. I still didn't get my period back. So I went to a naturopath and she suggested trying a high fat, low carb diet, which I did for probably six months or more. And all that did for me was make me drop a lot of weight and create another bad relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got married in the December of that year. And after the honeymoon, I was like, you know what, I'm not going back to that naturopath. Like I don't want to eat this diet anymore. I just want to get my period back and feel better. So I went back to my GP and I said, I need you to refer me to a gynecologist. Like I want to see a specialist. I want to get this fixed. So she referred me to a gynecologist and she prescribed me some medication. She was like, just take these for 10 days. And after that, you'll get a bleed within five to 10 days and we can go from there and we can make sure everything's normal. But basically this medication should kickstart your period. And I was like, why have I just gone the past 18 months with no period when someone can just give me this pill and it's going to come back? Like this is magic. So anyway, I took that medication and stopped. Five days passed, 10 days passed, my period never came back. And I was like, it didn't work. Like something's wrong with me. So I called back this specialist and I was like, look, I've taken the medication you gave me, but nothing's happened. She's like, you sure that you, like, did you take it every day? Did you do the right thing? Like, did you do what I said? And I was like, I know what you told me to do. I've done it and it didn't work. So she called me back a bit later that day and she's like, I've had a think about it. I'm going to refer you for a brain scan. 
And I was like, a brain scan? What do you mean? Like, I don't have my period. This is like within my reproductive system. It's all in my stomach and like my girl areas. I don't need a brain scan. She's like, Mm -hmm. I'm sending through the referral. I want you to just go and get this scan. And I just thought she was crazy. I was like, how can a brain scan, like, how is this going to help me? So anyway, the the imaging place called me the next day and they were like, we've got your referral from the specialist for the brain scan. And at the time I was kind of like, you know what, I don't want to waste my time on anything else. Like I'd already tried so much and I, I didn't want to do another test. And then they went through all of the booking procedure and everything, told me when they could do it. And at the end of the call, they were like, oh, and it's bulk build. Just make sure you bring the referral with you. And I was like, oh, if it's a free test, I might as well just get it. Like, what have I got to lose? Um, so then it was, I feel like I've lost the timeline a little bit, but it was May, <laughs> May of last year. And I went and got this scan on like a Tuesday morning or something like that. So I went and had the scan and then I just went about the rest of my week because I didn't really think anything of it. And then the Friday afternoon, the specialist calls me as like late Friday afternoon, like 4.30. And she's like, oh, we've got the results of your brain scan back. Um, You've actually got what's called a pituitary adenoma, which is a small non-cancerous tumor on your brain. She's like, don't stress about it. Just call your GP and make an appointment for first thing Monday morning. I'm like, great. It's late Friday afternoon. I have to spend the whole weekend thinking about this she's like but I want you to go back to your GP and she'll refer you to the right person because as a gynecologist this is no longer my area of specialty so I spent all weekend stressing like I've got this brain tumor I know she said it's non-cancerous but I've never heard of this before I don't know what it is and for anyone listening a pituitary adenoma is like a small tumor in your brain it's not cancerous but it's on your pituitary gland which is the gland that basically services your whole hormonal and reproductive system from your brain, sends all the signals and everything like that. So on Monday, I went to see my GP and we talked about it and she's like, look, I don't want you to worry. I think it's it's okay. But she referred me on to another specialist. I had more tests and she was like, look, your tumor is actually not even um, producing any hormones. So some of these tumors can produce hormones she's like yours isn't even doing anything so she's like let's just do another follow-up scan in six months and we'll make sure it hasn't grown and I was kind of like six months on top of another 18 months already like I don't want to keep waiting so Mm. I said to her what about three months like I really want to get this happening because like we're married now we want to start a family so she said okay come back in three months we'll redo the scan and see if it's grown and if it's grown then I'll refer you to the brain surgeon and so mm-hmm. in three months I went for another scan I went back to her and she was like no it hasn't grown and and there's nothing to say that this is what's causing your problems um, we'll monitor again in six months to a year and I really wasn't happy happy with that. Like we left that appointment and I was so disappointed. I was like, I'm just not getting anywhere. Like someone has to be able to help me. So I went back to my GP and I said to her, look, I want to go to the brain surgeon. Like this other specialist has told me, why would you want brain, brain surgery if you don't need it to remove the tumor? But I was like, I just want to talk to the brain surgeon. Like they're specialized in this. They know more about it. I want to go and see the brain surgeon. So my GP was amazing and she referred me on to the brain surgeon. So in October of last year, my husband and I, we went down to Sydney and we saw the brain surgeon and he told me, he goes, oh, so because it's pretty big, I definitely recommend taking it out. And I was like, pretty big. No, no one's ever said those words to me before. So he goes, oh, has, have any of the specialists or doctors shown you on the scan where, where the growth is and what it looks like? So he pulled up or he got up the scans on like the light board, how they put them against that backing board. 
And he pointed it out to me and he's like, this is it here. And look, it is squashing your pituitary glands. Like it is absolutely squashed. And he said, I'm, I'm 99% sure that removing this tumor will fix all of your problems. And for him to say that was just such a relief. Like after all of this time of no one having answers for me or even other specialists being like, yeah, you know what? Like, I don't think this is what your problem is or just monitor it. Just let it go. He was like, you know, I'm more than sure that this is going to help you. Um, Mm. So yeah, finally he, speaking to him, he was like, okay, we're booking you in for the surgery. It might be a 12 month wait, but we'll get you on the wait list. And just having that answer was so good. But yeah, so 12 month wait list. And then we get to February of this year. And I just thought, I'm just going to call the hospital and see what's the wait time because, you know, it's a new year. I want to start planning out my year, even if they can give me a rough idea that it's between April and June or something like that. At least I know not to plan anything for those couple of months. And I called Mm -hmm. the hospital and they're like, oh, we don't actually have you on record here. There's no record of your booking. And I was like, what what do you mean? And she goes, I think you'd better call your um, referring surgeon and just find out what's happened. And it turned out the hospital had actually lost my booking paperwork. The surgeon's office were really good. And they were like, look, we'll resubmit your booking paperwork. But instead of the 12 month wait time, we're going to put a three month urgency on it. So I was like, you know what? Everything happens for a reason. And the hospital lost my booking paperwork because I meant to have this surgery sooner than 12 months. Um, And now I'm going to have it within three. So that was great. I was super excited. And it was only a few weeks after that, I got the call and they're like, we're going to do your surgery on the 3rd of April. And I was so happy. I was like, cool. It's still early in the year. I can get my surgery. And then hopefully all being well by the end of this year, I can have my period back. Like that's best case scenario. Mm -hmm. So I was booked in for surgery on April 3rd. Um, the weekend before we were meant to head to Sydney was my birthday. So we went away for the weekend, um, with my husband, Sam, some of my family and friends, like it was really cool. And then, um, yeah, I was all getting ready to head to Sydney for the appointments leading up to the surgery and then coronavirus hit (laughs) and everything got shut down and the hospital called and was like, look, you do have to spend a night in ICU after the surgery. And we think it's best at the moment that we don't do that. So we're going to cancel your surgery. And I was like, look, fair enough. I don't want to put myself in that position either where I'm at risk of getting coronavirus. So it was put off. They're like, you'll still be at the top of the wait list. It's fine. Um, And as soon as the surgery start back up again, we'll give you a call and you'll be booked in. But that's basically where we're at now. I'm still waiting to hear. I did follow up with them a couple of weeks ago just to see. And they said, it looks like my surgery surgery will be in the next one to two months, but they can't promise anything at this stage because everything's still so up in the air. But yeah, that's basically where we're at at the moment. And that's the story. You've had to wait so long to actually find out what's wrong. But is there any fear surrounding the surgery? Or do you think that's just like over overtaken by the fact that you want to get this done and dusted? I'm definitely really, really scared about the surgery. I'm someone who hates needles I hate doctors and hospitals like I've always had a fear of that growing up Mm -hmm. Um, and just the whole idea of the surgery I'm definitely afraid but I also know that the reward that comes after is worth it and I'm just I just can't wait to get it done and hopefully be able to get back on track with my life. Does it ever scare you to think that you almost wouldn't have done the brain scan? Yes it does I'm like I would still be 
trying to eat more food, trying to exercise less, going to naturopaths. And I'd even tried acupuncture. Like I'd tried all these different things. Yeah, it really scares me that I'd still be out there trying everything under the sun to get my period back. That's crazy. I know. And I feel like, like you said, it's not something you would automatically think. So it's just so, I just feel so grateful for you that that somebody actually suggested it, even though you yeah. were like, um, as even it, though I thought she was crazy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I think it is so important. And I've spoken about this before, but to really keep on persevering and getting like, even if you have to go through so many people, I know how exhausting it can be personally, but no one cares about your health as much as you do. Definitely. Yeah. And even just having the confidence to go back to your doctor and be like, this isn't right. I want another opinion or I want to see another person. Like, don't let the doctor tell you that's it. We're stopping here. Go in and ask more questions and ask to be referred to someone else because sometimes that's the only way you're going to get the answers. If you hadn't have gone in and asked to actually go and see the brain surgeon, then you still would be still just waiting and thinking, oh, I'd, yeah, I'd still be getting six monthly brain scans to see if the tumor has grown, but I'd still be told it's not doing anything. So it's safest to just leave it there. That's crazy. It's so crazy. I want to ask a question. It's pretty much been my favorite question since isolation because of the answers that people are giving. No pressure. But (laughs) what would you say you have learned most through isolation? And it can be related to this because I guess, you know, postponing the surgery, it would have just been so frustrating. But what do you think you would say has been your biggest lesson? I think I learned patience and gratitude, definitely. Um, Just learning that everything doesn't have to happen right now Mm -hmm. um, and it will happen when it's supposed to and then gratitude for what I do have now um, and just being grateful for what I have in my life and what's around me and yeah the things that are to come will come when it's my time. I feel like that's such an important lesson to learn and I think a very tricky one given your circumstances so yeah I really enjoy that answer. Thank you. So the last segment I have is real quick cues. So just rapid fire, whatever comes to your head first. Oh, exciting. Okay. (laughs) If you had to go without baking for a month or without the beach for a month, what would you choose? Oh, without baking, definitely. Okay. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, I can't live without the beach. Fave food as a child? Oh, I think mashed potato. I still love mashed potato. I've been going through this phase of having mashed potato and I never usually have it, but I'm just obsessed. It's so simple, (laughs) I know. And what is your favourite quote? Uh, You choose your own happiness. Oh, love that. What a note to finish on. Hayley, I've so enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Can you please tell us where we can find you? Yeah, sure. So you can find me on Instagram at project so good I can't wait to hear and see more from you thank you so much thank you so much for having me and that is the end of another amazing interview on the Real Health Real Talk podcast I really enjoyed talking to Hayley and I really hope you guys enjoyed listening if you want to hear or see more from me pop over to my Instagram at Ebony May Health if you would like to support the podcast it would mean the world if you would subscribe and leave a rating and review can't wait to talk to you in the next episode and until then I wish you happiness and real health